buildings and towers just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the irritated Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. See, now you said you were going to say irritable, not irritated. I had a whole other line planned, and now you've thrown me for a loop, so. <laughs> I had to change it up. I had to change it up. <laughs> Chemistry. Sorry, I'm going to keep that again. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we have an insane week of comics, or I'm sorry, month of comics to talk about here, and we're, we're relatively timely for once. <laughs> yay! So, yay for us, folks. Uh, in case you have been living in a cave and have not been reading comics this month, two big things have happened in the realm of Firestorm and Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman is in the middle of a massive, massive and highly successful crossover going on through Aquaman and Justice League right now called Throne of Atlantis. And we are going to look at parts three and four, I believe it is? Yes, three and four. Okay. And um, Firestorm has had his new issue that just came out as well. And um, he has, as we're going to discuss in a minute, he's been showing up in some places. So uh, big month for both Aquaman and Firestorm. And um, we're going to start off by talking about Justice League number 16. And then we'll roll into Aquaman 16 and Firestorm 16. That's right. I can't wait, man. This, I, this, this was just... This was just a sweet, sweet month of comics. The new Diamond uh, Diamond Comics previews catalog just came out. Diamond Comics Distributors previews catalog. And uh, this is for things shipping in April 2013. And we've seen the solicitations for a few weeks now. We know what issues number um, 19 of Aquaman and Firestorm and Justice League are going to look like. However, uh, in previews they announced this new thing they're doing. It, April is no, – I'm not making this up – WTF month for DC Comics. <laughs> you can uh, interpret whatever that uh, acronym is yourself. Uh, what the Fahui. And uh, what they're planning to do this month is they, in that month, they want to have a moment in each comic that leaves readers in total shock. And uh, part of the way they're going to do this is every issue. The way they're going to do it is they're going to let Rob Leefield do every book. Oh, my God. I don't think DC's even talking to him right now. But. <laughs> well, that would leave you with a WTF moment, though, That's it? true. It would be a whole, what? <laughs> but they're going to have these gatefold covers. And what they're doing is they're purposefully leaving the the right-hand side of the gatefold covers uh, a mystery. So we don't know what's going to be on the covers. So that that's where some of the uh, WTF moments are going to come from. Now, Aquaman has the big Frost Giant cover. Isn't that right? Yes. In, okay. So... You know, you got to wonder what's going to be the other side of that frost, that cover, and what's going to be your big wondering moment on that one. Now, Firestorm, though, I've got a little pet theory going. We've talked a little bit about it here on the show before, so you're going to have to bear with me. But now that we know there's a big WTF moment coming on, it just seems to make even more sense. On the covers, got Firestorm battling Killer Frost, and Ronnie Raymond's mom's in danger in the background. But Killer Frost has been uh, caught up. She's doing a little bondage here, a little S&M. She's tied up with rope. 
So I'm thinking the WTF moment is when you unfold the cover and you find out the other villain Firestorm's fighting is Slipknot! It would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Can I get a hell yeah from somebody in the audience? <laughs> Thank you, Russell. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine that he did that. Oh, he did. He totally did. So uh, so I'm excited about it. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of I'm, – I'm really – I don't know, maybe it's just a good month, but I've really enjoyed my DC Comics this month. Uh, I've been getting caught up on Flash, getting caught up on Justice League Dark, been getting caught up on the DC Universe Presents with Blue Devil. I've just been having a great time with these comics, and I'm really excited for finding out what the, the big moments in April is going to be. I think it's a fun, kind of a fun-themed month. Let's do this! <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, Justice League number 16... Uh, I was going to say, you know what? We all know who it's by. Let's just get going. Um, <laughs> I don't really get into it. Um, the issue opens on the Watchtower where we get a little, well, not a little, we get a lot of uh, pipe laying from uh, Volko. And he's up there with Shin. Uh, well, he's not up there with Shin. We, we, we cut down to Shin down, uh, down back on Earth. He is getting uh, rescued by Cyborg. And while Cyborg is doing that, a couple of Atlantean sort of soldiers show up to try and steal, trying to kidnap Shen. And we cut away over to Boston, where Aquaman is having his face off with the Justice Leaguers, and of course that's all going to hell because they're mad at Aquaman, and Aquaman is deciding to, uh, well, deal with them. Uh, so we get him, we get a couple shots of him, one of him shot, uh, hitting Superman, which is great. Uh, finally, the Man of Steel deserves it. Then Wonder Woman tries to tie him up with their lasso, they get into that. Um, Ocean Master. We've all wanted that sometimes. Ocean Master shows up, zaps Batman. He's ready to kill Batman, and Ocean and Aquaman says, "No, no, no, don't do that." And then Wonder Woman gets the drop on Ocean Master and is ready to pull a Maxwell Lord on him, Um, but (laughs) she stopped at the last moment, and the Atlantean fleet arrives in a really beautiful two-page shot. There's your Kapow moment. Every issue, of course, features one of those of like a thousand Atlanteans coming out of the water with all these ships. You know, like this is like this would be the shot in the trailer um, when they make the movie of this. Of course, the the movie's not going to have Aquaman in it, as we now know. Anyway, we cut back over to Cyborg trying to rescue Shin. A couple of the Atlanteans are attacking. One of the Atlanteans is named Tula. So there's that. Superman and the Just League and Aquaman are fighting off Ocean Master and the Atlanteans. Ocean Master uses the scepter to create a whirlwind, and he sucks Superman and Wonder Woman sucks Wonder Woman up into the sky. This pisses off Superman to no end, and there's a tremendous shot, um, worthy of Neil Adams at his best, I would say, of Superman mm. Superman using his heat vision, where he is just blasting the ocean, and he is boiling the water, as Ocean Master says. <laughs> just fantastic. Um, Ocean Master and Aquaman continue to fight. He uses uh, his scepter again to zap Superman and Wonder Woman, knocks them unconscious, sucks them up through the whirl- whirlpool, and leaves Aquaman behind. Back up at the Watchtower, we see Cyborg and Shin. Um, they're watching what's going on down on Earth. They go down to uh, Star Labs in... Oh, well, now we cut across to Star Labs in Michigan, where Cyborg's father is working with T.O. Morrow, uh, which I think, is that his first appearance in the New 52, Tio Morrow? I think it is. I, well, I think he was in the last issue. Was, oh, God, you're right, you're right, you're right, okay. He's been in this crossover, but prior this to this, cro- I believe this, this is his, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a nice little drop here where he talks about his weather machine that is an Android. Woo! So <laughs> I was very happy about that. Um, and he wants to bring the weather machine online to help with the situation. And Cyborg's dad is like, no, no, don't do that, don't do that. Um, Cyborg shows up and says he basically needs to be refit so he can uh, follow the rest of the league underwater. That's going to require a bit of uh, technological daring do, so Cyborg uh, volunteers for that. In the meantime... Uh, uh, and, they, and they talked about that in a previous issue in the storyline, too, that they could... That's how, you know, that was, I think, in the first issue, how he could replace his lungs. Right. So it's really it's a callback to that. Right. Um, and then, then they talk about, well, what's... You know, we need, you know... Now, because Flash can be landing around in the book at the moment, so you've got Cyborg going under the knife to get new lungs, and you've got the rest of the Justice League underwater, so what's, who's left to fight? And Cyborg mentions that he's brought in a few uh, replacements. And it's the final page, which is the real great, I did not see coming. I, did, I knew this was kind of, I knew this was coming. I didn't know it was coming this soon, the introduction of all the new members. And the final, Woo! yeah, the final page is a great shot of all the new members, and you've got Green Arrow, Element Woman, Black Lightning, Vixen, Zatanna, Gold Rush, no idea who that is, Shazam, Hawkman, Black Canary, and, of course, 
Firestorm the Nuclear Man. And it is the end of Chapter 3 of Throne of Atlantis. Um, yeah, Gold Rush, Gold Rush has kind of got everybody scratching their head. Like, yeah. you know, everyone's kind of wondering, like, is that a character in a book I don't read? Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, am I familiar with this character? But knowing Jeff Johns, it's a character who's going to get introduced, who we're supposed to, who we're so, blah, who we're supposed to suspect as a, a potential traitor, but then will get revealed not to be the traitor. I hope not. I, That's I, usually I, how these things they work. They did that once before. They did that in the previous JLA book. Let's just have some new members, you know. So I was, I was really thrilled with this one. It was a lot of fun. It, to me, continued up the excitement of the previous installments. Uh, the artwork, of course, as always, you know, by the law firm of Reese, Prado and Reese. Is fan is fantastic. It's absolutely gorgeous stuff. Um, they are just they're just totally delivering the goods, and uh, I, I'm thrilled to have all these new members. I can't. I, I'm really looking forward to having them all hang out at the Watchtower together. That ought to be a lot of fun. You know. Well, I I wonder what's really going to happen because like, we know Hawkman's leaving this team. We know he's going to Justice League of America, and so right. is Green Arrow. Um, is Vixen? I think Vixen is too, isn't she? I think so, yeah. I think it's that yeah. and Catwoman and one of the couple of the others. So you, you left them with Black Canary, Firestorm, Gold Rush, Zatanna, Shazam, an Element Woman, and Black Lightning. And, and you got to wonder, you know, is is Zatanna really going to stay around because she's part of Jail Justice League Dark? Dark? Yeah. I mean, it seems Element Woman, Black Lightning, Gold Rush are no-brainers. Right. You know, um, Black Canary's got her own book. Uh, Firestorm, well, sort of. Firestorm's got it. If you a Black Canary stars in a book. Firestorm's got his own book, at least for now. Zatanna is is the star of a book. So you, it seems like those are a little questionable. Shazam, I think, Sh- is probably – he's probably in. I mean, that would right, and he's been in the backups for all these. Yeah. yeah. This is a, you know, a really fun comic. I love all the little drops, uh, drop-ins that, that uh, John's put in. The thing with Tula, obviously we think that's going to be something. And then the eventual introduction of the Red Tornado, which I'm really happy about. I'm actually writing a piece about the Red Tornado for Back Issue Magazine right now. So I've been immersing myself in Red Tornado comics. You know what? I have a greater appreciation for him now that I've read every single one of his comics in the in, oh my the, gosh. in the, uh, the pre-crisis Red Tornado. I've really appreciate it. So, Has he, has he ever had his own series? He had a miniseries written by Kurt Busiek. Yeah. The, the, the one where he comes apart? That was by Kurt? Yes. I didn't realize that. Yes, it was okay. an early work. I've been interviewing him about the miniseries, too. It's really cool. Very anyway, cool. Anyway, we are way off topic. Um, so Aquaman, uh, the, the Atlantean soldiers uh, coming up out of the water, wearing something a little familiar. They're, some of the Atlantean soldiers in the background are wearing the same shirt that Aquaman wore during his hook years. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right there. Oh, you didn't notice that before now? I don't think I did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, when he had the hook hand. And he had sort of that the metal, metal, the top, metal shirt, the long hair and the beard and the metal shirt, like the metal half shirt. He, these guys are all wearing that exact shirt. And in fact, they've got these big like uh, crustacean shell on their arm, which looks a lot like the Total Justice Fractal Tech yeah. gear. Oh god, <laughs> they do. They look like Aquaman with the Total Justice Fractal Tech gear. Or it's going to be called. a great toy line. I tell you, this will be Wave Four. The giant monster, and I'm trying to decide: is that a giant sea monster or a ship in the back? That's the ship. That's a ship. Darn it. Because that's the ship that was in the previous issue where Ocean Man took uh, down and he's grabbing the thing. Yeah, that's the ship. I really wanted it to be like the Kraken or something. <laughs> like that. Great. That'd be awesome. I do like their little special assassin league that Cyborg had to fight. Those guys were pretty awesome mm-hmm. looking. And I, I'm guessing this, you know, we're going to find out that, you know, obviously one of them is Tula. And I'm, somewhere I'm guessing he's going to, that's where he's going to bring in Garth somewhere along the line. Yeah, yeah. Tula looked different than the other guys, though. So it, it, it was kind of strange that they're all wearing a particular uniform and she wasn't. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll... Um, and the art, you're right about the art. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. That Superman moment is tremendous. I think that looks like a Neil Adams thing when he would draw Superman, like, just super pissed. Uh, that's mm. what that looks like to me. I, I just... I was... It's tremendous. It's tremendous. I mean, the coloring is out of this world by Rod Reese. I mean, he really brings that... I mean, it's a great... The, the the facial expression and the pose and everything else is great, but the color is really you you know get that sense of like okay he really literally is using his heat vision to blast everything in sight. So you know he Aquaman got to hold Batman's throat a lot longer than I think he should have been allowed. Like he's actually having a conversation while he's still choking Batman. <laughs> you know? It's kind of like Batman finally throws like a flash grenade to get Arthur off of him. Mm. <laughs> it's like, wow. 
I love that he's got that flash thing in his in his belt or whatever. That's a great, you know, he's always got some little thing to get himself out of whatever situation he's in. Yeah, that would have pushed this issue over the top if they had talked about a shark repellent. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, it's I also, uh, oh, okay. Ocean Master's look, his new look, is really growing on me. Like, I really like the way he looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's nasty looking. It's, uh, you know, fishy, but not uh, super cartoon. I mean, that previous helmet that he had was pretty ridiculous. And it also looked like, painful to wear. Like, it was flat on his nose and stuff. Well, like, the classic one or the one that sort of, like... The classic one. The classic okay, one. yeah. Because, like, the one in the, the, the Craig Hamilton miniseries was kind of, like, exaggerated and, and a little nutsy looking. Which yeah, it went insane. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what what would you say was the best thing as an Aquaman fan to come out of this issue? Um, hmm. Well, I'm glad that the fight between him and the Justice League is momentary. I don't, I didn't want to see it go on forever where, you know, they're like oh, pitted against each other. It's like, okay, a couple of punches and then it's over. And like, all right, no, 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 we're all on the same page. I, I, do, I wouldn't want the thing to be like a giant misunderstanding. Like pretty... Pretty early on, Aquaman's like, okay, yeah, right. I tried to, in fact, I think it's in the next, it's in Aquaman, that he mentions to Batman, I should, uh, you know, I, um, I, I shouldn't have tried to talk to my brother, because I knew it wasn't going to work. So I, yeah. I sort of, it goes over fast, and said so the action is really great, the action is, is really, really tremendous, and it's nice that they made Ocean Master so tough, you know, he's pretty, he's taken on four members of the JLA, and he's managed to, uh, Suck two of them up into the giant whirlwind. That full page, another another Kapow moment. That full page of um, the three of them getting sucked up into the sky while uh, he lords it over uh, his brother is really tremendous. Really great stuff. Now it's interesting. Orm is painted here not necessarily as a bad guy. Well, you know, I mean, he's doing bad things. There's yes. no denying that. However, he's doing it in what he appears to be, you know, defense of his country. Right, from his point of view, the surface world is attacking him, so he's just hitting them back a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, it's very Namor, but tempered some. It's not just, crazy, kill all the air breathers! You know, he's just like, you... <laughs> gold, you... gold! Right, oh god. It's like, you screw with my country, I'm now going to sink one of your cities and wipe out your the people in this one city. Right. You know, it's kind of a... Because right. I don't think he's planning to take down the world, right? He's just going after Boston right now? Yeah, at the moment. And, we, of course, we find out in the, in the Aquaman book that uh, he's there's even more going on that he doesn't know about. So, yeah, he's not uh, – Johns has recast him a little bit le- little bit less of a world conqueror guy. Yep. Uh, in, the, in the previous book, he was just trying to always take over the world, take over Atlantis and take over the world. Here, not so much. He's just trying to, as you said, protect his own, uh, his yeah. own, his own civilization. He's being a, a, uh, a warrior monarch. Yeah, it was, it was just great. I, I've really been enjoying this. It's interesting that this storyline, which feels a lot bigger than the other storyline, is shorter than the other storyline. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is only going to end up being five basic, if you want to count the prologue, six parts. The others, I think, was like eight parts or seven I, parts. I, I believe it was eight, yeah. yeah. It's like, and yet this story feels a lot huger to me. Like this, to me, if, he had, if I had learned that this was eight parts... I would have maybe been like, oh, God, another eight-part story. But I believe it because it's such a huge story. Yeah. Um, it feels like one of those giant Earth-1, Earth-2, JLA, JSA team-ups. You know? So <laughs> I'm surprised that he's keeping it as tight as he's keeping it. Five five parts is – I guess maybe it helps that it's going by so fast because it's spread across two books. So you're wrapping it all up in two months. Exactly. You get in two and a half months, you get the whole story, yeah. which, which helps tremendously. It, it's also more uh, grander scale. I mean, you know, while the other story was, you know, a big deal in that little finite world, you know, and there could have been danger with the scepter in the long run. Here, we're actually seeing crap getting destroyed right. in, in everyday life. Scores so. of people involved and cities yep. and everything. Yeah, yeah. And firestorms in it, so it's more important. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I would, I would like to point out that this month, um, Aquaman appears in two books, and Firestorm appears in three. So I'm just saying, who's the bigger star? You know, yeah. think about it. Um, what do you think about Firestorm as drawn by the boys? I dig it. it. It's a little different, but, you know, I mean, that's to be expected. It's a different art interpretation. I dig it. Um, I like their interpretation of the flames, and I really like their interpretation of his face. He looks a little happy, which is what Firestorm <laughs> should look like, you know? He looks, you know, a little happy-go-lucky, and he's got that giant flashlight in his head. <laughs> I dig it. I like it a lot. I, and they also put some Kirby, Kirby crackle in there. So yes. they. they they done good. They done good. They done yes. Those guys, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been saying that since day one. This is, you know, without a doubt, the best art team DC's got right now. Yeah. We get a nickel every time we say that guy, so that's probably why. <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> that, would be, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, cool. So, anyway, All right. that's Justice League number 16. We're going to move right on to Aquaman number 16, which is, of course, <laughs> also by Jeff Johns. Art, Which just came out this week. Yes, just came out this week. Uh, the cover art. Uh, the cover says it's by Paul uh, Pelletier and Art Tiber, but it's not. The uh, insides are by Paul uh, Pelletier and Sean Parsons. So I don't know why they changed that, but okay, whatever. And as I understand, this isn't. Um, they've got someone other than Pelletier doing the covers, right? No, that's Pelletier doing the cover. Oh, is it? Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I had read somewhere that they had somebody else doing the covers. I okay. don't think so. No, that's Pelletier. Um, so anyway, this issue opens and he opens uh, in Detroit, and you're getting Cyborg getting the refit by his uh, by his dad, and then we cut over to the Justice League. We see that Shin and Volko are watching what's going on. Volko does not like Shin one bit, and he's sort of like vaguely threatening Shin a little bit. In fact, at one point, not even vaguely, he says, "If this was happening in Atlanta, she would have been put to death as a traitor." So, <laughs> um, Shin. Uh, Shin doesn't seem all that intimidated, which is surprising considering Volko is the size of a small car. But um, <laughs> uh, we follow Aquaman down to the water where he finds the pod where Batman is encased. And this is this is probably my favorite moment of the book is Aquaman and Batman talking because Batman is not at all upset or even even flustered that where, of where he is. I mean, he's been put into this pod and dumped at the bottom of the ocean. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to get out. Yeah, I got some tools in my bat belt. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> uh, he's just totally not. I just you know, um, watching these. He's Batman. Yes, exactly. Watching these two talk, it made me want to you know like bring Brave and the Bold back, you know, and get these two a solo team up. Uh-huh. Uh, really, because they just have a great rapport. I think they're both very serious guys, and it, it's uh, it was really enjoyable. So anyway, one of the um, while Batman is uh, is figuring out where the other ones are, because we've got we're getting more stuff in his utility belt. One of the members of the trench attacks. Uh, Aquaman runs it through with his trident, so much for the whole non-killing thing. Um, <laughs> uh, he grabs uh, Batman's pod, and they go searching for the other two. Meanwhile, they cut back to Boston, and the auxiliary members of the JLA are JL. Like, it's a tough time to I you want to say JLA, not JL. Well, you're going to be able to say JLA in, in a few well, weeks. I'm not going to buy that book, so I'm not going to say it. Really? I don't think so. You're not going to get the Vibe League? Yeah, oh, boy, there's a selling. Well, it's. Uh, have you read the articles about what they're doing with Vibe? No. It's a big deal. He, he's, you know, I'll tell you when we get done. Let's uh, finish off. All right, all right. Anyway, we we see the various members of the Justice League fighting. I don't think we see. Woo! I don't think we see Zatanna here though. She's called into. Uh, we don't see Shazam either. Um, obviously, uh-huh. they're in some other part fighting. But we see Firestorm. We see Black Canary. We see Vixen, Black Canary, Element Woman, Hawkman. Hawkman is berating the rest of them for not fighting hard enough, which is great. That's, you know, like, twas ever thus. Ocean Master sets off one of these detonators and knocks Hawkman out. We see, I guess that's Gold Rush. Is Gold Rush that character that can shrink? Is that who that is? Oh, come on. What? Really, Rob? What? Okay, everyone in the audience, yell at your MP3 player, tell Rob who this, the tiny little person talking to Hawkman is, everybody. That's right. It's the Atom. Where did they establish that? They haven't yet. Oh. It's called foreshadowing. That's why That's why it's only a silhouette. Oh, I see. That's why they don't tell us who it is. That's why it's like, huh? What's that? I assumed it was Gold Rush. I assumed that Gold Rush had some power we didn't know about, and that's, I assume that's who it was. Well, unless Gold Rush is the new Adam, which okay. I, don't, I don't think that works. But it's, it's got to be Adam. Okay. Remember in the uh, Trinity preview thing and in, in whatever that free comic book day giveaway thing was? Mm. There was a, there was a female Adam. Oh, that's in right. The, oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess it's 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 I mean, weird. That and it's if it well if it wasn't well no it's in two panels. There's Hawkman's yelling at them, and there's this little tiny voice that goes, "Get down, Hawkman!" And then he's down on the ground. And if if the little person hadn't <laughs> little person, if, if the little person hadn't been talking to anyone other than Hawkman, I don't know that I would have got it so easily. But it's Hawkman and Adam. I mean, you know, it's just a thing. That's true. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Oh, anyway, Cyborg has been refit. He's ready to go underwater. He meets up with Mirror. He's, he's stronger, faster, better. It costs six million. Yeah, it costs six million dollars. 
he meets up with Mira, who is back in the story. We're not sure where, you know, she's been sort of just hanging out this whole time, which is a little odd, but okay. Then uh, we see that um, Aquaman and Batman have found Superman and Wonder Woman's pods in a really nice sequence where we see them stuck in the middle of all this illuminated uh, fish glowy stuff, which is the stuff that Aquaman got stuck with from the trench in the, in his book. Okay. I don't mean... Can you explain that to me real quick? What? Because I'm looking at that panel. Yes. And it looks to me like a panel, like like a pod has been broken in half. Is that actually two different pods? Yes, that's floating two, in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like the top half of each of their pods. Okay. See, I totally didn't get that until you just said it just now. Okay. To me, I thought it was a pod that had been broken in half. I can understand. It does look like that, but no, one of them is one of them is Superman's pod, and the other one is Wonder Woman's pod. Gotcha. So um, anyway, Aquaman and uh, Aquaman and Batman help. Aquaman helps get them out. The trench attacks. They fight them off a little bit. Cyborg and Mira show up and help them fight off, fight fight the rest of them off. The trench disappears. Aquaman talks about how he can't seem to find any of them any anymore. Where the rest of them are gone. We see that they have surfaced on Earth. I mean, on Earth, on the land, and they are attacking. And there's a nice two page shot of them. Another Capel looking all squiggly and gross, uh, attacking people. Um, there's the uh, king of the trench. There's the king of the trench, king trench. Now, the big surprising moment is everyone assumes that this is part of Ocean Master's plan, but we see him zapping the trench, and he goes, "What creatures are these?" So he doesn't know who these things are. Dun 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 dun. Yes, there we go. So what's going on here? Now, who who's controlling the trench? And we learn who's controlling the trench. It's Yes, it's Volko is controlling the trench. He's the traitor in all this. He's the one with the scepter. He bu- he beats the crap out of Shin, and he ends with uh, talking about how he is uh, how the Atlantean people sent him into exile, and he says they will regret that, and that is to be concluded in Justice League number seventeen. Wow! So it's Volko, and uh, I honestly, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time trying to like outthink these plots. I just sort of just read it. Um, but I didn't see this coming. I really didn't think it would be Volko. So I'm kind of... I didn't, I didn't think so either. Uh, I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm glad that John didn't pull some sort of, like, other character out of nowhere. And like, oh, it's Scavenger. Or, you know, oh, it's, you know, whatever. The Flying Fish. No, it's the guy that's been here the whole time. It's Volko. So that's, that, that's a fun little bit. That's the way a good mystery is done. So that's perfect. Now, I do love... Volko cracks me up because he's, you know, he looks like... An overweight, slightly overweight, middle-aged guy. Like he looks like a big muscle-bound guy who's gone to pot. You know, he's he's bald. Yeah, he still grows long hair with it from the back. He's got on like the Havana shirt. You know, yeah. so it's just seeing that as a major villain just cracks me up. Yeah, I'm, 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 it's it, it makes me feel kind of bad, and that poor Aquaman is going to feel betrayed, which is like all he ever gets to feel, uh, but uh, uh, but you know, he'll get over he gets it. To, he gets to feel Mara, I'm just saying. Oh, come uh, on. Okay. Just live it up to my reputation. Up? Um, so, <laughs> uh, anyway, it's Volko to be concluded, and we'll have to see what, what happens there. It ought to be uh, quite interesting, and uh, you know, we're, we're the story's continuing apace. It's uh, it's it's that'll make this will make a great trade paperback. <laughs> yes, it will. This will be an excellent trade paperback. Like I highly recommend it to everybody. I'd say. So, all right, let's 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 uh, deconstruct this here. Um, we well, wh- what's that? I thought we just did. I, we, you recap the story. You, <laughs> you read the com- you read the comic to the people at home who've already read it. Is what you just did. Um. I would say I really enjoyed the moments with Cyborg. I said this on a previous episode. These little snippets we've gotten with Cyborg in the in this storyline, I feel like they've developed that character a thousand times more than they had yet. So I actually am, like, warmly welcoming Cyborg to the League now. Like, before it was kind of like, oh, it's that guy from the Titans. That's right. You know, now it's like, no, it's Cyborg, the Justice League member. I mean, I... I I feel a connection. So I think it's really cool. I like what they've done with him. Yeah, he's gotten a lot to do, even though it mostly has been standing around talking. But he, you feel like you're understanding his role in this as opposed to the previous issues, where he was literally just standing around for most of the time. Yeah, he was a guy with powers. Here, he's a character. Yep. He's, Victor, he's Victor Stone now, Yep, if, is a way to put it. So um, how you feeling about the art? I like it. There, I liked it better this issue than I liked the previous issue. There are some moments that are really nice. I think the, the whole sequence... 
of Aquaman Underwater with the trench pods and everything's all glowy. Um, looks really nice. There are some panels that, oddly enough, remind me of Alan Davis, which if people know how much I love Alan Davis, I think that's a real compliment. Yeah, there are some really nice pages in here. There's the, the, the page where he finds the pods, that bottom panel where he's a, where he says one hit should and he's rearing back with his fist. That's really beautiful. I mean, it looks, some of those really, I mean, it's, again, it's Rod Reese, who I love. I just love his, the colors, you know, the, the way he colored the book. But, uh, but no, Paul Peltier's stuff is very nice. It's, uh, it's, it's growing on me, you know, than it, than from it, from the previous issue. So, uh, it seems like they made a good choice. Um, I didn't really notice a huge difference in the inks between R.T. Bear and Sean Parsons. I think maybe Parsons' stuff is a little slicker than T. Bear's. Um, I like T. Bear's kind of grittiness a, a bit, so I'm not sure if T. Bear's is doing one issue or, or they're going to trade off or whatever. I have no, I have no idea what's going on with that. Um, but it's nice, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. I hope he stays in the book for a while. It's a nice, get a good consistent rhythm. He's going with, uh, John's like the, the boys have with him over in justice league. Now. Yeah. I say, I, I was really impressed with how he did his, uh, in auxiliary JLA pictures because mm-hmm. they look really, really, really good. And a lot of times when a new art team tackles a character for the first time, like, especially if it's like a cameo kind of thing. It doesn't always look right. You know, it's always, you know, you, sometimes you get kind of like, yeah, that looks pretty good, you know, but they, you know that this person drew them and didn't have a lot of prep time and didn't practice the character. They just drew it to fit the book. Here, everyone looks great. Like, Savage Hawkman looks so cool. He does look good. He looks really, really good. You know, Firestorm looks good. Vixen, Black Lightning, and Black Lightning's costume's a bit of a pain to draw nowadays. And, uh, you know, it came out really sharp. I thought he just did a really great job with all that. So I do love the um, silhouette, um, that, that page of the, the – basically the big page of the Justice League, the four panels of them fighting. And mm-hmm. you see Hawkman in a silhouette, and you see, like, guys just flying in all directions. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. And you enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that page with Cyborg's cyborg body without the, the physical shell talking to him? Mm-hmm. Kind of like – like haunted me for a little while. Like, oh man, I felt really bad for that. But it was drawn so well. It's interesting. I, I actually, if I didn't know better, I would say that the scenes underwater and the scenes above water were inked by different people because hmm. there's such a different feel. But that's probably just intentional by by Parsons and Pelletier, um, just due to the nature of the environment they're in. You know, the, the way shadows work underwater, the way movement works underwater, and stuff. Could be. So. Really, really nice, slick-looking book. Um, you mentioned Batman and Aquaman. It seems pretty obvious that, yeah, they're trying to set up Batman and Aquaman as pals. And I don't know if that's because, you know, it just it makes a good pairing for Aquaman because they're, they're, they both are kind of isolated characters. You know, Batman stands alone kind of thing, and Aquaman does too. Or maybe it's like Aquaman's got a top-selling book, so Batman's letting him in the club. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like, sorry, Aztec, you're out. Aquaman, you're selling. Come on in. Welcome to the land of 100K sales. <laughs> or actually, actually, Aquaman's not at 100K, but he's close. So. <laughs> yeah, the, those two talking is, was, was my favorite. Like, they're having this very long conversation while they're at the bottom of the ocean. I, I just enjoyed that. I like the idea that Batman's just not phased by anything. He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to cut my way out of here. And Aquaman's like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> well, once again, Jeff Johns makes Batman very talky-talky. Yeah. Again, uh, like I, I saw Greg Rucka speak one time at a, at a convention, and when he was writing Batman, and and that's what he said is like, whenever you write Batman, you are trying to write the least, at least dialogue. You're trying to write the least amount of words ever, and uh, that you can. And there was this whole sequence he was describing of Batman talking to Nightwing, and Nightwing spots a bomb on a roof, and you know he said he rewrote this dialogue like a bunch of times. Like Nightwing was like, Batman, there's a bomb. You know he wrote like, you know Batman said like. Quick, get up there and defuse the bomb. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. And then, uh, go after the bomb. No, 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 no. And finally he said, he, the dialogue became, go. <laughs> That's all he had to say. But that, that communicated everything in one word that Batman needed to say. And he said that was what bat, writing Batman was all about. And uh, here, that is not that Yeah, way. obviously John doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Ironically, I think Jeff Johns was sitting on that panel with Greg Rucker. So. Oh, he learned nothing from it or chose to... Purposely go the opposite way. There you go. So but yeah, they, they they have a nice back and forth, which I enjoy. I really did. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a, a a lot more going on in this book than than previous issues. I mean, there's that one page of when Mira finds Aquaman. There's something like three, six, like nine panels on a page 
there really haven't been too many Aquaman comics with that many panels on a page to this point. So yes. they're cramming a lot in. I mean, they, you know, then you have the big two-page shot of the trench attacking and stuff. But it's paced nice. You know, there's some a lot of detail on one page and then it's more expansive in another. So it's, uh, it's good. I would say artistically it is paced very nice. Story-wise, at least this issue. Now, the other f- three parts or whatever, or four parts, I, I've lost track again. I don't know. What are we on, part four? The other parts of Throne of Atlantis have been very fast-paced, very, you know, rock'em, sock'em, full tilt going. Uh, I felt like this issue was a little slower than the other ones. I felt like this one, like, I feel like this issue, the whole point of this issue was to find out that Volko was a traitor. Right. And everything else was just sort of filling in some holes. It, it didn't feel quite like a placeholder, but not, not as much happened as, as the previous issues. Hmm. So, again, still artistically, it was gorgeous. Um, I enjoyed the, the quiet, talky moments, but uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, especially when we get to the next book, pacing becomes, you know, an issue or something to talk about. And so this one just made, this one, I read this right after Firestorm. So it felt like this is kind of a slow story. There's a giant full-page ad here for Vibe, and I love how it says Justice League of America's Vibe. <laughs> it cracks me up. Oh, the league's most unlikely member in his own monthly series. I'm okay, sure, so here I'm sure I will have to get that book at least the first issue, just so we have something to talk about. Well, <laughs> because I have, I will have nothing else to talk about that month. That's all I'm going to talk about. Now, um, here's the interesting thing about Vibe. They published an article and interview about him recently. He, they're actually trying to make his character important to the DC universe. They said if we're going to bring him back, it's not just a joke. It's not just a guy with powers. He, there needs to be something behind it. And his power is what? He's got the, his power. He's got the power of vibe. He can make things vibrate. Right. Exactly. It's all about vibrations. So there, you know, pre-crisis, how did Flash always travel between the multiverse? Oh, oh. controlling his internal vibrations. So. What they're going to say is that he is very in tune with the vibrational forces, and he can tell when things are trying to bleed between worlds. And so he's in Detroit, which apparently was the epicenter of the apocalyptic invasion in the first couple stories of Justice League, which I didn't realize. But apparently Detroit was where it all went down. And so he's going to be in Detroit sort of safeguarding the gateway to other dimensions. So what this means to me is when we do eventually get our JLA-JSA crossover, Vibe should be front and center, baby. Oh, no. (laughs) We're going to eventually do Vibe of Two Worlds. Oh. There you go. That would be the best. And you'll have to have have Billy draw another cover of you in Vibe in a Vibe outfit. He'll be visiting Julia Schwartz or whatever on the Cosmic Treadmill or whatever. That is freaking brilliant. Hey, chewing, is... chewing editor of DC Comics. <laughs> oh, vibe. I, uh, I'm excited for that. I, I have no passion for the Katana story. Uh, Katana story uh, comic that's coming. Yeah. But, uh, Seems definitely... like an odd choice. It does. It does. Well, vibe does too, but, you know. Well, v- vibe's a perverse choice. <laughs> Katana's well, just it's... a strange choice. Well, she's been, uh, I think, in Birds of Prey since New 52 started, you know? Right. Right, but it just I'm seems wondering. odd to pick that character out of nowhere. I want to know where my uh, my Black and Blue number one is. It wasn't bad. I finally read all four issues of Black and Blue. Uh, that's Blue Devil and Black, Black Lightning. Lightning, right? Yeah, it wasn't bad. It, it wasn't the greatest thing I ever read, okay. and it's not certainly the Blue Devil I love. Right. Um, but you know, if you can't love uh, the Blue Devil you love, love the one you're with. So that's a good way to end uh, this uh, half of the show. <laughs> Um, so that said, that's going to wrap up Just League number 16 and Aquaman number 16. We're going to take a little break. You're going to hear um, from Brave and the Bold, Aquaman's rousing song of heroism. Which Woo! Is, uh, one, of his, one of his great and more odd moments uh, <laughs> from that show. <laughs> so enjoy the song. It goes on for about two minutes, and we will catch you on the other side, and we will talk about Fury of Firestorm number 16. Woo! Don't let your repeated and crushing defeats get you down, old chum. Why, taking a savage beating is part of being a hero. Yeah, a sealess, no power having loser hero, maybe. Is Batman a sea lister? Is that what you think? Poppycock! He knows how to take a beating, never giving up until he wins. And why? Because he has heart. And heart is the only superpower you need. 
Super breath can come in fire, frost, or just plain bad. Shrinking's a power, but it's kind of sad. Shifting shape into a snake can give folks quite a fright. But only your heart will win us the fight. There's portal creation and astral projection. Telekinesis and dead resurrection. With mind control, you're on a roll, and if you're lucky, flight. But only your heart will win us the fight. Who are you? Just a man or a superman? The man we turn to for the plan. Who are you? Just a man or a superman? The man we need to take a stand. There's time travel, stretching and even wall crawling. A sonic scream helps you with your bad guy brawling. Fist of steel can make you feel an increased sense of might. But only your heart will win us the fight. Who are you? Just a man or a superman? The man we turn to for the plan. Who just a man or a superman, the man we need to take a stand. What was that? I call it Aquaman's rousing song of heroism. <laughs> you don't look roused. Woo, folks! <laughs> Love that Aquaman song. That is awesome. Well, we are back from break, and it's enough of talking to fish time. It is time for some Nuclear Man, folks. We are here to talk about the fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man number 16. Um, folks, we are continuing this freight train of an amazing book headed up by Dan Jurgens with help by Ray McCarthy and Hi-Fi. This time we're also joined by Carl Kiesel on Inks. So Ray McCarthy actually had to have surgery, and uh, I want to say it was his shoulder, I think it was. I probably should have done my research. Anyway, and so he was out of commission for a little bit, so Carl Kiesel stepped in to help out and did the first ten pages of this book. Very nice of Carl to do that. It was. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to recap the book briefly. Rather than um, what Rob did, I assume that you know how to read a comic all by yourself. So I'm just going to hit the high points and not go, you know, panel by panel. <laughs> you like that? So, no, I didn't uh, at all. <laughs> uh, so the, the story starts off as it picks up right from last issue. That we had a cliffhanger last issue where Firestorm had been knocked out and was sunk into the ocean and was drowning. And we pick right up from there. You know, we, we've got a dangerous moment there. Looks like our hero might drown, but he comes out of it, flies up to the surface, and then they continue their search for Captain Adam, who was who they were battling last issue. Now, that story already resolved last issue. Those of who read it know it. But there's a lot of um, sort of business to tie up on that. So that's what – we're not going to see Captain Adam, but there's a lot of business to tie up around that. So they search for Captain Adam. Well, this uh, paramilitary science group called the Continuum, uh, Stalker watches them from apparently every angle. I don't know how they necessarily do that, but they have cameras everywhere. Google apparently. Maps. Oh, that's what it is. I should have thought of that. And their giant robot called Data Zen actually follows Firestorm. And it's sort of like stalking him from a distance, trying to figure out where he's going. Ronnie points out that, uh-oh, I got to go. It's time for homecoming. They got, <laughs> they got the homecoming football game coming up, so they zip on out of there, fly back to Pittsburgh, <laughs> and Data Zen follows them. So then we get a nice uh, lengthy scene of the homecoming game, and uh, Ronnie is our star quarterback of the team. And you get to see they make the winning play at just the last moment, but – Danger, Zeta Zen, Data Zen's flying around, so Jason concocts a plan to transform him and Ronnie into Firestorm to take out Data Zen without anybody seeing that they transform into Firestorm. <laughs> so as the final winning point is made for the game, Jason kills the lights to the football stadium. That gives him and Ronnie a chance to transform, and they fly up on there to confront Data Zen. At this point, the, Jason has the idea. He says, you know what? Data Zen's chasing us. We know he wants to capture us and take him to, to the Continuum. Let's just let him take us. 
let's not fight this. Let's not make a big deal. Let's just go with him. So they sort of like do a very fake half-ass attempt to battle Datazen, enough to be convincing. Uh, but they, you know, it's it's a, it's a play acting sort of thing, and they get taken into Datazen, and they're taken over or flown over to the Continuum headquarters. They bust out of Datazen, and it's time to knock some heads. Firestorm does battle with uh, the three foes that he's been fighting in throughout this story. Um, Skullcrusher? I, I think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, Skullcrusher, uh, Relay, and some other guy. I, I can't remember his name. I don't think they say his name in this issue. Um, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a bit, too. So, he does battle with those folks. He take, very quickly takes down the Continuum, like their entire headquarters. And uh, he gets the folks to, to safety, and then he, you know, after the Continuum is taken down, he's confronted by General Wade Eiling, who's a carryover from the old Captain Adam series, confronts Firestorm about how dangerous he is and a threat he is to national security. Firestorm sort of sputters a bit, kind of says, uh, you know, I'm really trying to do good, and General is not hearing it, and he says, you know what, uh, i got to get out of here, but you don't have anything to worry about, and he flies off. And we get this great cliffhanger of the Teen Titans studying Firestorm, and uh, they have decided that they need to confront him because they need to figure out whether he is a danger or a bad guy or not. So that's a recap at a very high level. I got a lot of things to say about this book. Strapping. Strapping. Fucking exactly right. So first off, holy crap, the pacing of this book. This is why I felt like Aquaman was a little slow because I read this book where I counted it up. There are eight distinct scenes in this book. Possibly more, depending on how you define scenes. I am not a writer by trade, so I may not be, you know, capturing that that breakdown exactly right. But it's a very dense book. It does fly by. It does, there's a lot crammed into this one. There are five conflicts in this book too. Two of which are in actual fights. Three of which are big dramatic conflicts: the drowning, the football game, and the confrontation with General Eiling. Um, there's a lot going on. And Dan Jurgens actually did a re- recently did an interview with ComicBook.com and uh, Russell Burlingame, and they asked him about that, and he said, you know, uh, he, he had mapped out some other comic books he'd been reading recently, like some series, some storylines, and he realized a lot of comic books are going at an incredibly slow pace nowadays. And Firestorm, traditionally, if you go back to the old days, the Conway era that he's trying to emulate, always had a bunch of stuff packed into every issue. And he said he purposefully went for that. He purposely went all the way out to try and make this a fully packed issue, and boy, did he succeed. Um... And I got I to say, the cliffhanger ending, I, I said it before, I love cliffhanger endings. I, I don't care how contrived a cliffhanger ending might be. I'm not saying this one is, but I'm just saying it, I, I, I love cliffhanger endings, so that's made me so happy to see that here. Now, you're probably going to mock me for this, but who is that third character with the Teen Titans? Really? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, okay, well, here's where I'm I, – I can't mock you that bad. I think it, the name is Solstice. Oh, well, all right. Then you don't know. Okay. Well, no, her name used to be Solstice. All right. When she glowed bright. But something has happened to her powers now, and you can see she glows black now. Okay. Uh, and she's, like, cracked where this, the light's trying to pour through. So I don't know if she's changed her name or not. Okay. So. I haven't read a Teen Titans comic in, like, forever, so I have no idea who any of, like, I mean, I know who the other two are, but I was just like, uh, okay, I don't know who that is, but I guess she's I, a Teen Titan. I, I will say this as gingerly as possible. Uh, I have been reading the Teen Titans since the 90s, since the Titans Hunt storylines. Right. Um, I stopped a few months ago. Okay. So, all right. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'm going to tackle this from a couple different perspectives here. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about the art. Uh, absolutely think that Dan Jurgens uh, did a great job in this issue. Really did. I love his panel design, uh, especially like the the two page spread. Yeah, right I was just about to say that. It's really nice. We're first from bursting out of the yep, water, yep, and yep. you've got yeah, really nice panel design. And uh, I, you know. Kiesel did the first half of the book, and McCarthy did the second half, and they are different. You can tell the differences, but they both do a great job. Kiesel does a little bit more probably clean lines, I guess I would say, a little more traditional, super heroic cut of a figure. You know, Firestorm looks a little bulkier, a little more clearly defined than he would later in the book. He looks a little more a little more gawkier teenager in the back half, which makes sense. You know, both both styles work. Um, but it was not, it, I liked both, both styles. I really enjoyed it. I have one particular panel that just warmed my heart, reminded me so much of the old days. And, you know, I got to say, folks, you know, we've been talking about th- that comes up a lot. People say, this reminds me of the old days. This reminds me of the Conway days. You know, like, this is what he's trying to emulate. I want to start to move past this, that, and start to say, this is the, the Jurgens days now. 
you know, it, it, yeah, it does echo back to Conway very successfully, but I don't want to always make it sound like Jurgens is copying Conway. Right, I'm right. Af- he's I'm rehashing af- it, right. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid I sound like, and that's not the case. He's telling new original stories. So, but anyway, there is there is one bit that harkens back that I just love it. Firestorm is landing in Pittsburgh at his high school, and before he's even touching the ground, he's splitting into Ronnie and Jason. So Firestorm's coming in for landing, and it's actually Ronnie and Jason that are leaping out and touching ground. And I just think that's, that's a great classic Firestorm uh, separating moment. It just I was like, wow, that's so cool. I love that. Uh, we get to see Jason is the gawky Jason again. Uh, I had talked about this in previous issues. Early on when uh, Jurgens and McCarthy took over, Jason looked a little kind of beefy, kind of muscular. But really that's not the way he's supposed to be. You know, Ronnie's the the buff guy. Jason's kind of the gawky geek, and here he's gawky, which I, I was very happy to see. That he looks like a gawky teenager. I dug that. I say my my favorite panel this entire book is yeah. page five, panel two, right after that panel you just talked about, where they're yeah. fi- with her fist pumping. Fist pumping. Yeah. There's something about their profile. It's it's <laughs> cartoony. Their hands are so big. Yeah. I, there's something just so beautifully simple about it. I don't know why. It just as I saw it, it's like. I love it. It almost looks like like a Mad Magazine. I mean, I mean, it is yeah. a compliment. It's it's cartoony, but it really works. I don't know that that panel just made me made me chuckle when I saw it. <laughs> I, I like one of the things I like about that, the, their profiles too is if you look at their faces, it shows you what a great job uh, Jurgens and I guess at this part it pointed still Kiesel do it drawing different faces. Yes. I mean, their faces, yes. if you look at all the different detail, the nose, the lips, They're the different eyebrows, people, yes. They're completely different people. So many people draw the same face with yes. different hair and, and, and you know, affectations, but these, these are different looking that, bodies. That, I hate to bring this into it because we're going to get hate mail, but, like, that was one of the things I never liked about Kurt Swan. To me, Kurt, yeah. Swan's, Kurt Swan's Luthor is bald Superman. Kurt, <laughs> Kurt Swan's Aquaman is blonde Superman. You know, like, it's the same yeah. guy. But yeah, you, th- those are two very distinct profiles, and that, that it looks makes great. Sense. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I'm staring at that panel. I just love it. Now here's a this is more of a lettering question than an art question, and, and I think this I don't know if this is a mistake or what, but Doctor Megala comes out of his um, coma, mm-hmm. you know, and he's, his memory's gone, but his word balloon is normal. Didn't he have like that Stephen Hawkins kind of word balloon before? Uh, yeah, maybe. What page Maybe he's is, healed what, now? What page is that? I'm trying to remember what page that is I have in front of me. Um, uh, it's pretty far along in the book. It's when they're in the continuum, I think. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, maybe it's... Hmm. Actually, he's, he's moving his hands around and stuff, too. Maybe yeah. he's healthier now. He's not using the machine to talk or something. Yeah. That's what it is. I don't know. That kind of jumped out of me. So, um, Last page, we get some of the Firestorm Protocols. Nice. I knew you would enjoy nice. that. Nice. I, I love it. I'm really glad they're acknowledging that the previous 12 issues of the series happened. Because it would have been very easy to just sort of pretend they didn't, right. you know? The Angley's Hulk. Right, exactly. <laughs> but they're acknowledging, they're saying, yeah, there were other Firestorm Protocol guys. And, you know, and Jurgens is, he's moving on. He's not going to, he's not wallowing in that old storyline. But he's, you know, it's, there's nods to it saying, yeah, this happened. We're going on, but it happened. So it's nice. Uh, most of the rest of my comments are about the writing, so we'll just kind of go over there real quick. Uh, you know, I didn't mention the coloring. I, I said this on, on my site, but I got to say it here. Uh, when Firestorm is underwater, you know when you're underwater, the color spectrum changes. You know, like reds turn into blacks very quickly the deeper you go in the water. I, I assume you've noticed that before. Yes, you're, I, yes, you're, absolutely. I was going to say, you read a comic book about Aquaman. I assume they yes. see Anyway. Familiar with uh, that. Hi-Fi has done a really nice job here of demonstrating the, the differences in colors underwater. Because Ronnie, you know, the Firestorm suit is all black and really dark gray, kind of. It looks really sharp. Yeah, this and, is uh, a very handsome book all the way around. Yeah. And Hi-Fi deserves credit, by the way, the whole way through the book. They do a, they are an amazing coloring group. Brian Miller and those folks do an amazing job on coloring. Uh, the really bright energy burst that Firestorm produces really... Uh, do a, they really they're not blinding but I mean they they show you how blinding they can be because some of the other stuff in the panel is sort of washed out because the light's so bright you know they there's a lot of nice touches a lot of skin tone touches that you just ignore because they're you know it's skin tone but if you really stop and look at somebody's skin tone you're like wow there's a lot of stuff going on just on the skin and the way the light hits them so great great job by hi-fi 
All right. So uh, in the beginning, when Firestorm's underwater, you know, they talk about how he doesn't need oxygen to breathe, but he can apparently talk underwater, which I found was kind of interesting. Like, he actually has word balloons and sentences and stuff. <laughs> so uh, is his mouth filled with seawater? I wasn't really sure about that. <laughs> Converting the energy around his the oxygen bubbles so we can talk. He could be doing that. Could be doing that. Could be. Uh, I really dig uh, Ronnie and Jason's interplay. I mean, they're, they're buds. It, you got to almost wonder, are they a little too much of buddies at this point? Because they're getting along really well. I don't know. But I do like how Jason just sort of acknowledges that Ronnie is completely cocky and you know, teases him a bit about it, even, and Ronnie's okay with it. It's more like gentle ribbing rather than their really caustic fighting in the earlier issues. And, of course, we get a shout-out to Coach Conway. Hooray! <laughs> oh, you know what? I forgot to mention this is TakeOver Part 4, and I said over all the creative team, but I forgot to say Firestorm created by Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. Where's my ding? Uh, you, well, I, I gave us a break so I can put in the uh, yay sound effect. <laughs> I'm, awesome. I'm going to say, watching the whole sequence with football, if I was pitching Firestorm as a TV show, and, and I am, I'm doing that next week. Okay. Uh, yeah, for some reason DC's allowing me to do that. Um, <laughs> I would pitch the show, I would say, it's Friday Night Lights meets Spider-Man. There you go. That's how I pitch There you go. I would say teenage superhero, multiple identities, but lots of football. And, and you know what? The, the football, and actually I'm glad you mentioned the football is the next thing I want to talk about is you know, Dan, I know just from reading his Twitter and stuff, Dan Jurgens is a big fan of football. Okay. Uh, he, and that becomes pretty clear here to me as a geek who doesn't know football all that way. That, well, the, the plays that Ronnie are call, is calling left and, you know, all the different plays he's saying, either Jurgens really knows it or he just made up a lot of good words that I just, like, I, I don't know any of this stuff. Sure sounds like football play. Talk to me. <laughs> It's a hat trick. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, I like, you know, I, I thought the whole football thing, I mean, you get, you know, what's it? One, two, you get three pages. Is that right? Of, of a football game? Yes. Yeah, you get three pages of a football game in a 20-page comic. That's a lot of space dedicated to it, and it works. It works really well. You know, you, it's funny you mentioned Spider-Man because, I mean, you know, Conway wrote Spider-Man for years and then went on to write Firestorm. And that having, having spending time on this sporting game and how it plays into the story is sort of a uh, – it fits with the Conway model. Let's put it that way. But it, Jurgens has made it his own here, and it works great. It works really well with the story. I've seen a lot of people comment specifically on the football game saying they're glad to see the character development of Ronnie and Jason independently this way. You know, and Jason needs some more moments. I mean I'm hoping some upcoming issues we're going to get a lot more Jason stuff because right now we're getting a lot of Ronnie stuff. But um, – you know, it's, it's a, there's some great moments. It's also a nice break tonally and visually from the stuff that's come before it and comes after, which is all the high-tech gear, supervillains, and da 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 It's nice to have this other scene that's completely separate from what else is going on. I mean, not completely separate in a bad way, but, you know, just a nice transition to go back yep. to that and then go back to the big action finale. Uh, also, in the good traditional superhero tropes, you, you still get this whole dangling issue of Ronnie had Tanya write a paper for him, so Ronnie's a cheater. That's gonna, it's got to come back and bite him in the ass sooner or later because they keep mentioning it every issue. Perfect. Exactly what you should do with a superhero comic. Love that. Love that Joanne and Al, Ronnie and Jason's parents, are dating. You know, I like to see that continue. That's a, that's a great thing. I, I actually I hope we get to see more of that because I think that would be a fun awkwardness for Ronnie and Jason. One of the things I also enjoy here is that you know, data sense flying around. It's the middle of a football game, but Jason is just the secret identity. Maintaining their secret identity is paramount. By gosh, he's going to inconvenience several hundred people at the football game just to maintain their secret identity. <laughs> so, um, I would be interested to see since the parents actually know about Firestorm, Ronnie and Jason. I'd be interested to see at some point if they become overprotective or something. You know. Being all like, oh, my child, I, you, know, you, you can't go out there and fight these robots. It's endangering to you or something. I don't know. I wonder how they're going to feel about him joining the Justice League. Dun, dun, dun. Now, let me ask you. In the last panel in the football game, right after they get the touchdown and win the game, which is great, uh, you know, Jason kills the lights. And Ronnie and Jason, are, are they, the panel, they're there next to each other. Mm-hmm. And they say, let's make the change. Are they? My question is: Are they actually next to each other physically, or is that more of a mental telepathy moment? It's it's it looks like they're really next to each other. But you wonder how how he, they did that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jason would have had to move pretty quick. Yeah, to get from wherever he was. But I, I think I think you're right because so far they've maintained that Ronnie and Jason always have to touch to transform. Right. 
And, um, you know, uh, when we asked Dan Jurgens about it, or maybe I read an interview, I don't recall, but they said, it said that this was going to come up the challenge between them having to touch, you know, to become Firestorm. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, let's see. Now I, I do, I, I, all right. There's two things about the story. I, I, I don't want to say negative, but maybe constructive criticism. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how Dan Jurgens is going to take it. But okay. Well, I mean, you know, hey, I'm a fan. I can say what I want. <laughs> when, when, uh, <laughs> when is that the rule? <laughs> when Firestorm and, and Jason, when Jason and Ronnie are Firestorm and they're facing Data Zen, and Jason says, yeah, let Data Zen take us. He'll take us to the headquarters. I had to pause on that moment because for me, and maybe I'm missing something, um, but last time they faced Data Zen, when they went inside the Data Zen body, Dr. Megala took them over. So it would seem to me they'd be nervous to go back inside the Data Zen body for fear of being possessed again. Hmm. So that, I mean, you could certainly rationalize it away. Maybe they know they can maintain control. Maybe they know Dr. Megala's down for the count. I don't know. It could be any number of things. But I just, when I read that, I saw that as a bit of a, like, huh, kind of a head-scratcher. Now, it certainly it works for the story, and it gets the move, story moving along, and that's fine with me. I, I love the pace of this issue, so, you know, whatever it takes to make the story work, awesome. Let's go for it. The only other item I would say is about the villains. Remember I said I couldn't even remember the guy's name in the black? Right. I, I really can't, unfortunately. Um, and I'm still not 100% sure about Skull Crusher. I'm pretty I'm sure, sure yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Skull yeah, Skullcrusher. Okay. Here's the deal with the villains. I like them. I like the three of them. I think they're neat. I like their powers. However, this is their third appearance now. Mm-hmm. I feel like after three appearances, I would have liked to know more about them by now. You know, right now, they are sort of generic characters based around their superpowers. And that's it. And I'm okay with that. It works for this story. It absolutely does because this story is a very fast-paced story. They don't have time to explore that kind of aspect of it. The, the villains serve their purpose. They're a foil for Firestorm, and they need to get some good battles. However, I just felt like I, I like my villains really fleshed out. Like, if you look at Firestorm's traditional villains of, you know, Killer Frost and Multiplex and Hyena, each, each one of them had very fleshed-out origins. Uh, Killer Frost and Multiplex, we knew their origins before they ever fought Firestorm, in fact. Uh, you, you got a sense where some of the tragic... A lot of Firestorm's villains are, are tragic villains, you know. They, they, the situation that in their lives have put them in that situation where they became evil. So I, if we're going to see these characters again, I think, for me personally, I would like some moments to understand their motivation better. Right. Uh, Blackstar and Relay are their names, by the way. I knew Relay. Okay. Blackstar is Black, the one I Black couldn't Star. remember. Thank you, yes. So I would just uh, I would just like a little more fleshed out, you know. A good example would be Helix. You know, remember in, in this series of Firestorm, back in issue, I don't know, three or four, Ronnie and Jason fought a guy named Helix, who had been married to the head of Zithertech. Right. And he, like, lost his mind, and he killed their family and all this. All that was handled in, like, maybe a page, maybe two pages. I don't know what it was. But you got enough of his backstory that you felt for that guy. So when he was crazy and off the rails, you knew he was crazy and off the rails, but you you knew where it came from, and you, had, you know you felt for him. So I just I would love to see some more on these guys. So uh, we've got Multiplex and Killer Frost coming up in the near future, and you know, fingers crossed, hopefully Slipknot. So Yay! I hope <laughs> I hope he gets a chance to give us uh, a little bit of backstory on them, so that we can you know not necessarily condone what they're doing, but feel something for the character. So I hope that. So. Um, gosh, you know, and, and th- if, if that's my only two things to talk about, that says a lot. I mean, that's, this book is just great from cover to cover. It's an absolute blast. I like that Firestorm is sort of being set up as, uh, a hero who is not respected as a hero. He's seen as trouble. You know, it's, uh, it's almost a J. Jonah Jameson kind of thing, you know, where he's trying his best, but he keeps getting in trouble for it. I like that aspect. It does make me question why he got invited to join the Justice League if everyone thinks he's a villain. Uh, hopefully there's an explanation in there somewhere. We'll all talk about that at the Watchtower. I, you know, I really do want to see Firestorm's, like, when they make the offer and invite him to join the Justice League. I would love to see that. So. Yeah, I used to, like, in the old days when they made a big deal when people joined, and now it's like, you know, <laughs> they have these mass join. Oh, you're all members. Okay. Yeah. Enjoy to visit the Justice League mixer for everybody comes and talks right. to know one about it. <laughs> Everyone's sipping on a punch. There's music yeah, exactly. playing in the background. 
Um, one of the things Jurgens talked about, he would love to do uh, for an upcoming issue. This is in that same interview with Russell. He said that uh, he would love to do an issue just exploring Firestorm's powers and the limits. He says he's got some cool ideas to make a story out of it. So I would love to see that. They make a crack about in here where Ronnie's like, "Jason, you're the egghead. You need to, you know, help us figure out our limits of our power." So I'd love to see a whole issue where they just did that. That'd be fun. Well, folks, this is a great comic. It has been a great run. We're four issues into it. We're still going strong. It is a it is a comic cut from the classic superhero mold, and uh, it's honestly one of the most fun comics DC has on the market right now. I want to know more about this ad in the back for all the news, some of the facts, Channel 52, because it shows Ambush Bug in a tie. <laughs> I I need to know more about that now. All right, well, um, Rob, I think that's going to wrap us going to wrap us up. Yes, it is. It's also going to wrap it up. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what you were trying to get to. But yes, it's going to wrap up our look at the big issues, Justice League 16, Aquaman 16, and Firestorm 16. Big couple of weeks for our characters. Um, If you want to visit the uh, Fire and Water Tumblr, that's fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us an email at firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. Yep. You can find our sites, firestormfan.com at Obviously that. You can find Aquaman Shrine at the same. You can both of us are on Twitter and Facebook under the same name. And you can also find Firestorm Fan on Google Plus and Tumblr as well. Oof. So folks, uh that's it for now. We will talk to you soon. Keep your uh your iTunes or your stitchers uh tuned in to Fire and Water Podcast. And until then, fan the flame and ride the wave. All right, bye guys. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and Friends forever. Yeah! Green Arrow has heroic traits. That is when he's shooting straight. Hey! I'm just saying. Aquaman's always courageous. His little fish, less outrageous.